You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is World Health Day. Finally, it's the one day this year where we can sit around worrying about our health. (laughs) Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, Siri is getting a makeover. We'll reveal the winner of the pandemic brackets, and we try and explain what a goddamn NFT is. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. All right, let's kick things off with Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader, and action figure that got way too close to a light bulb. Like most Republicans, McConnell has been very upset that corporations like Delta and Coca-Cola are speaking out against Georgia's new voter restriction law, which limits drop boxes, makes it illegal to pass out water to people waiting in line, and lets people skip to the front if they're wearing boat shoes. And now, McConnell is telling corporations to just stay out of politics completely with one small exception. There's also big news concerning the fallout from Georgia's new laws restricting voter access. Major League Baseball announced July's All-Star Game will be played in Denver following its removal from Atlanta in protest of the Georgia law. Today, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, traditionally a big supporter of corporate free speech, slammed companies like Coca-Cola and Delta for speaking out against the law. Republicans buy stock and fly on planes and drink Coca-Cola too. So what I'm saying here is I think this is quite stupid to jump in the middle of a highly controversial issue, particularly when they got their facts wrong. I'm not talking about political contributions. Most of them contribute to both sides. They have political action committees. That's fine. It's legal. It's appropriate. I support that. I'm talking about taking a position on a highly incendiary issue like this and punishing a community or a state because you don't like a particular law they passed, I just think it's stupid. Now that, that's my Mitch right there. Ha <laughs> ha, look at this Mitch. Mitch ass n- Keep your mouth shut and hand over the money. Woo! That's literally what bank robbers say. For real, Mitch McConnell does not give a fuck, man. He just lays out the game for you straight. Uh, here's a political opinion for you. Uh, cash rules everything around me. Cray, motherfucker. And you know, this is especially hilarious coming from Mitch McConnell. Because don't forget, don't forget, he helped create the situation today where politicians are so dependent on big business for campaign spending that they basically let companies write all of the laws. But you see, Mitch, after you spent decades helping companies intervene in politics, you can't now be upset that companies want to intervene in politics. The monster you created is coming after you. Just like how you enabled Trump and then he came after you. Or like how you enabled your foreskin and then it took over your neck. And by the way, I like how McConnell is especially offended that businesses would take a position in a highly controversial issue. Because I mean, like, if the issue isn't controversial, then why would they announce their position at all? What does that mean? 
It would be weird if Coca-Cola came out like, it is our official position as a company that it can be nice to sleep in on the weekend. Don't at me, don't at me. Moving on to international news. Back in 2018, you might remember that Donald Trump took some time off of golf to tear up the deal that was supposed to keep Iran from getting nuclear weapons. And now, Joe Biden's attempt to get things back on track is off to a delicate start. The U.S. and Iran began indirect talks today to discuss possible U.S. re-entry into the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. Iranian and American officials held talks today in Vienna. Well, sort of, but their representatives didn't meet face to face. Instead, each group spoke with European diplomats who then shuttled back and forth across the city between the two parties, hoping to move the conversation along. Okay, you gotta admit, this is, this is hilarious. The United States and Iran are so at odds that they won't even talk directly to each other. They're just passing messages through other people like they're in middle school. Uh, France, could you please tell Iran that we can be friends again, but only if they say they're sorry first? Uh, France, maybe you could go and tell America that they started it, so they should apologize first. We started the fight? We are, uh, what about the hostages? Uh, I'm not talking to you, America. I was talking to France. Okay, everybody, calm down, calm down. Let's just all have a little sex and we can figure this out, huh? And don't get it twisted. Repairing this relationship is gonna be tough. But that is what Biden signed up for. He's gonna spend his whole presidency repairing the things that Trump messed up. Getting control of the pandemic, fixing the post office, canceling the White House subscription to Wet Butt Magazine. You don't need a paper copy, it's all online now. And finally, let's get into some technology news. We're all familiar with Siri, right? The surveillance state omni-spy who helps us schedule meetings. But the next time you ask Siri to do something for you, the voice that says, it doesn't know what you mean, could sound a little different. Siri is getting a bit of a voice makeover. Apple's virtual assistant will now feature four voice options, two more than its previous update. Now, Siri will also no longer default to a female sounding voice in order to be more inclusive. Apple changed things up after other companies' virtual assistants faced backlash for all defaulting to female voices. Apple says you're gonna notice these Siri changes in a software update later this year. I'm sure that Apple has its reasons, but it's kind of an asshole move to fire Siri in the middle of a pandemic. You didn't hear this from me, but just the other day, I heard Siri asking Alexa if she could borrow some money. Okay, I understand why they're changing this, but I'm a little worried about having a male Siri. Hey Siri, how do I get to the opera? Dude, you wanna go to the opera? The game is on tonight. Uh, no, 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 bro. <laughs> I meant how do I get to Buffalo Wild Wings? <laughs> you know I smash, right, Siri? Hey, Siri, you know I smash, right? All right, but let's move on now to our main story. Over the last few weeks, you may have heard people talking about NFTs, which I found out too late does not stand for nudist fishing trip. Again, I'm sorry. What are NFTs? And why are people trying to get rich off them? Well, let's find out in another episode of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. If you've heard about NFTs, you probably know that it's the latest hot trend that teenagers have to explain to their parents and grandparents and boyfriends. 
But this trend also has big money behind it. There's a new craze breaking out in the crypto world, and it's all about crypto collectibles. Non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, are exploding in popularity. In February alone, NFT sales hitting $340 million. That's up from $12 million in December. NFT stands for non-fungible token. Now, in economics, fungible means you can trade one identical unit for another. Think a, a dollar bill, gold, oil, or Bitcoin. Non-fungible means it's unique. It can't be replaced. In music, the Kings of Leon releasing an NFT-only album. In social media, Jack Dorsey's first tweet selling for nearly $3 million. The art world just turned upside down with the sale of this digital collage entitled The First 5,000 Days, a work that took 13 years to create. It sold Thursday in an auction for $69.3 million. That's right. Move over, GameStop. There's a new confusing internet money thing in town. But yes, NFTs are blowing up so much right now that one digital collage sold for $69 million. $69 million. I would never pay that much for a collage. Never. Unless it was the one from that Tupac video where all the little videos of Tupac turned into one giant image of Tupac. You remember that? Yo, that shit blew my mind. But if I did spend 69 million on a picture, best believe that would be the only picture I show people ever again. Didn't you just have a baby, Trevor? Yeah, yeah, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. Look at this though, look at this picture. $69 million, $69 million. <laughs> Shut up! Huh? The problem though is that if digital pictures become the new status symbol, you realize that rap videos are about to get boring as hell. Cause I mean, instead of showing off expensive cars or pet tigers, man, what, rappers are just gonna be clicking through their computer. This uh, one getting money so uh, like, hey, this uh, one getting money so uh, like, hey, this uh, one getting money so uh, like. Now, this may all seem insane, but the truth is guys, the idea of spending money on digital collectibles isn't much different than spending money on anything else. You know, anything else that people collect, like baseball cards, or Beanie Babies, or the fingers of Secret Service agents. NFTs are really just a new twist on that. The idea of collectibles has always been very physical. You have comic books that you read or you have art that you hang on your wall. But with these, it is meant to be entirely digital. On the surface, buyers appear to be purchasing what's already on the internet for free. Like this video of a monstrous dunk by LeBron James. The clip recently sold as a digital trading card for $208,000. But you can still watch it online at no cost. Think of the Mona Lisa. It's an original piece of art. It couldn't be swapped out for, say, a Mona Lisa poster from the Louvre gift shop because the poster doesn't hold the same value. Exactly. A Mona Lisa from the gift shop isn't as valuable as the painting itself, unless Leonardo da Vinci also painted Mona Lisa onto a mouse pad. Oh, if you don't mind, can you stay a little longer, please? This one is for Greg in the HR's desk, okay? Yes, a smile, but not too much a smile, just like a kind of smile. Ah, perfect, perfect. Oh, he's gonna love this one for the mouse, huh? And I know, I know right now, you might be saying, but Trevor, why would I want a clip of LeBron dunking? I'd rather have an NFT of something you never see, like the Knicks winning a championship. But it's not just a clip of LeBron dunking. It's the official clip of LeBron dunking. And that's what makes it valuable. Because people love to have things that no one else has. 
Check out this dog turd. Ew, gross. It's the only turd that dog ever made. I'll give you a million dollars for it. And if you're thinking, well, that's kind of unusual, but it would still be cool to buy the original version of a digital artwork or a song or a video, well, here's where it gets weird. That's not exactly what you're buying either. An NFT is kind of like a certificate of ownership for virtual assets. Essentially, when you buy an NFT, you're not buying the horse. The horse is somewhere else. You're buying the racing papers that say, here's where the horse came from, here's who, who's owned it over all these years, here's this horse's record. What the buyer gets is essentially a long string of numbers and letters. It's a, it's a code that exists on the Ethereum blockchain. It relies on blockchain technology, sometimes described as a kind of digital record keeping. It's a secure way to track when digital items change hands online. Yes. Essentially what you're buying with an NFT is a long digital receipt that has your transaction along with every transaction that has ever happened. So basically, it's like a CVS receipt. You know, it's miles of irrelevant information, but somewhere buried in there, it says that you bought a Gatorade and some pretzels and maybe condoms, but not condoms. You went for the Gatorade and pretzels. In other words, the point of NFTs is to create artificial scarcity and this isn't just so that speculators with too much money can make even more money. It can also be a way for artists and musicians to make a living in the digital age. Like right now, one of your favorite musicians is probably scraping by on a fraction of a penny every time someone streams one of their songs. But if they auction off that song to the highest bidder as an NFT, now that musician that you love won't have to rent out his face for ad space. But there are also some potential problems with NFTs. For one thing, like cryptocurrency, making some NFTs requires massive amounts of energy, which contributes to climate change. So every time you buy one, you basically have to think, how many polar bears am I willing to kill for this distracted boyfriend meme? I mean, not five, obviously, but maybe four? Oh, and there's something else you might wanna consider before you sink your life savings into an NFT. Along with all the hype around NFTs, experts have raised some concerns. Basically, uh, the blockchain is, is a permanent record. While the record is permanent and stable, uh, the location where the work is hosted may not be. Effectively, you're buying access to a code that runs through a gateway online. If the gateway, effectively the website, goes down, you've lost whatever you just bought. And if that server happens to be holding the object, goes down or it's moved, who's ever controlling it forgets to pay their hosting fee, then your NFT could point to nothing. Let's say that I buy an NFT and I go to the link for the third-party hosting thing that has gone down, and what I see is the most expensive 404 of my life. Whew. Man, if I spend $69 million on a JPEG, you better believe my basement is gonna have more backup servers than Hillary Clinton. Imagine if you spent millions of dollars to own the crying Jordan meme and then you lost it. Now you don't even have a meme to show how sad you are. Like, this would be the dumbest way possible to lose a valuable collectible. At least if you lose a rare piece of artwork, what happened? A cat burglar that had to pull off like an ingenious heist. To lose an NFT, you just need a janitor to bump the surge protector with a vacuum. So, now you know about NFTs. And they may be the next big thing in the world of collectibles, but if you invested in one, you better pray the server that's hosting it 
never goes down. Otherwise, that rap video is about to get real sad. This would get uh, money so like, yeah. hey, this would get uh, money so like, hey, this would get wait, money so like. Stop the music, stop the music. Mom, the thing shut down. Mom. All right, when we come back, Michael Costa and Roy Wood Jr. discover what part of the pandemic life you found the most annoying. So don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. All of last month, we were running our annual brackets of bullshits. And this year, you, the viewer, got to vote on which trivial annoyance of the pandemic bothered you the most. And you cost a whopping 1.2 million votes. That's insane. Not even the Georgia voting laws could stop you guys from weighing in. Someone was sneaking you water, weren't they? Where'd you get the water? So, here to announce the winner of this year's bracket of bullshit are our very own Michael Costa and Roy Wood Jr. What's going on, everybody? I'm Roy Wood Jr. And you know I'm Michael Costa. Man, oh man, Costa, the competition in this tournament was so hot, it broke that stupid little forehead thermometer. But we finally came away with one winner out of our 64 rock-solid contenders. 64, nice. Costa, I think you're thinking of 69. Not the way I do it. Roy, there was a couple of contenders that got crushed right out of the gate. For example, ear pain from mask bands got obliterated. Now, that surprised me because my ears hurt so bad, I thought about pulling a double Van Gogh. Yeah, yeah, but it was up against people who don't know how far six feet is, which is the worst. You know, is this six feet? Oh, is this six feet? Is this six feet? See, that's why I never leave the house without a six foot party, sir. If you can smell my pickles, you're too close. Meanwhile, over in the social region, Zoom parties came out well ahead of getting dumped over Zoom. That one was a shocker, because getting dumped over Zoom is rough. Yeah. I think you just look at somebody, I'm sorry, Michael, I don't want to share my screen with you anymore. It's time to put our love on mute. Sorry, I didn't catch any of that. But another mismatch, the toilet paper shortage absolutely wiped the floor with talking to houseplants in round one. It was the biggest blowout of the whole tournament. Which is ironic because the toilet paper shortage is the worst time to have a blowout. Yeah, or when you're pooping. On the other hand, one of the tightest races was between having to cut your own hair and being quarantined without a partner. Oof. Haircuts won, but the margin of victory was as thin as the razor I had to cut my own hair with. Who knew the most valuable part of hanging out in a barbershop would be the actual haircut? Yeah, Roy, for me, the biggest underdog story of the bracket was Kim Kardashian's 40th birthday party. While the rest of us were in lockdown, Kim jetted her friends out to a private island, and I had no idea how much this annoyed people. Probably because they weren't invited. Kim's party made it all the way to round four. It even beat that video of celebrities singing Imagine. What? Imagine there's no justice, Roy. But what finally stopped Kim in her tracks was Jeff Bezos. People are outraged over the fact that the world's second richest man and first richest shave ferret actually got richer during the pandemic. Yep. That's why Jeff Bezos' growing net worth made it all the way to the finals. By the way, Roy, what is Bezos' net worth? It's so obscene, it's just gonna get bleeped. Oh, say it, dude, say it. Okay, fine. It's dollars. <laughs> Damn! That really is the C word of money. But 
is it going to annoy people as much as the bracket's other finalists, mask under the nose wearers? Oh, why do people leave their nose uncovered, Roy? The nostrils are like the third easiest opening for coronavirus to enter the body. I, I think you mean second. Not the way I do it. So after five rounds, it all comes down to Jeff Bezos's growing net worth versus mask under the nose wearers. And without further ado, the winner of The Daily Show's 2020 Bracket of Bullshit Pandemic Edition is... Mask, Mask under, under the Nose, nose Wearers. Oh man, this was a well-deserved win, Roy. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more, Costa. Just look at your dumb nostrils sticking out of that mask. It just pisses the shit out of me. I hear you, Roy. I want to slap it off my own face. <laughs> Huge thanks to everyone who participated and to Mask Under the Nose Wearers everywhere. Congratulations. Now pull up your goddamn mask. Pull up your mask. Pull up your mask. Michael Costa and Roy Wood Jr., everyone. Thanks so much, guys. All right, when we come back, Danielle Brooks is joining me on the show to talk about what it was like playing one of the all-time great gospel singers, Mahalia Jackson. So stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Tony Award-nominated actor Danielle Brooks. We talked about what it was like portraying the legendary gospel singer Mahalia Jackson and so much more. Danielle Brooks, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thanks for having me. It's Are you kidding me? Thank you for coming back. Yeah, man, it's crazy, because last time I was on your show, I was secretly pregnant. I've, I've loved watching your journey of you becoming a mom. What's that been like, becoming a mom and then the pandemic starting? It's like, well, now I'm a mom, but I'm, but I'm also in a pandemic. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, a lot of people have suffered and had a hard time with the pandemic. So it feels really just not, it just feels really bad to say that it's been a blessing, you know? Like it's actually been good to have time to watch her grow and to watch her crawl and walk and learn to say mommy and all of these things that I might not have given, gotten the gift to do if we right. weren't. So, um, you know, I count my blessings. I mean, the pandemic is slowly fading away. People are getting vaccinated. It looks like America is moving in the right direction. And we're here to celebrate your latest role, Mahalia Jackson. Talk me through this. I mean, it seems like the most obvious thing now, but you're playing Mahalia in the Lifetime biopic and it's, everyone's just raving about your performance. Thank you so much. It, um, like, it came out last Saturday and Sunday. It's coming out again this Saturday on Lifetime. And the response has been crazy. Like, my heart is so full. And it hasn't felt this way in a very long time. Because when you know that your gift is just aligning so well, like, everything that you're supposed to be doing, you're doing it. And to also, you know, acknowledge and, and give this Black woman her credit. You yes. know, Mary Jackson deserves her story to be told. And so I'm really glad that I was given the opportunity to do that, you know? People might go like, oh yeah, Mahalia, she's amazing. I love Mahalia Jackson's music. But, but beyond the music, what she was dealing with in the country and as an individual, I mean, that's where it seems like the real story lies. Come on, Trevor. That was the thing was, I think a lot of the world, and, and it's okay, but a lot of the world, including myself, did not know much about Mahalia Jackson. And I think all we knew was that she was the queen of gospel music. We might've heard Amazing Grace or Precious Lord or right. How I Got Over, 
but we don't know much about the person behind it. And so to me, I always knew that there was something there because she's a human being. Like everybody has a story, right? So something's going to be there. So once I started doing some research, it was so cool to discover like her desire to want to be a mother, her going through the Spanish flu, having hysterectomy and, and, you know, saying, you know what, I'm not going to sing at jazz clubs or blues clubs. I'm going to stick to gospel. But the thing that excited me the most was her connection to Martin Luther King and how she truly is the reason for the I Have a Dream speech as we know it today. Not that it wouldn't be as famous, but as we know it today, because she told him to say, she told him, tell him about the dream, Martin, tell him about the dream. And he went off script of, you know, what he had written and did that. And so to me, I was like, yo, I want to play that. Like, you tell the world about that. That was really fun. So it's really great to like shed light on her and what she did in the civil rights movement. And like you said, like, you know, how comparable it is to now and relevant it is to now. You know what 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 makes um what makes this so special for me is the fact that you aren't just portraying her, but man, you are singing, Danielle. At some point I remember going, is this is this dubbed? Are they playing it? Are they but it was that was you. All of the music I sang. That's the one thing I'm learning to do is hold a little more pride in my work is because for a while, I was very shy when it came to singing. And it's easy for me to hide behind a character and show the world what I can do. But if it's me, I'm like, oh gosh, you know. But um, so that was so much fun to like say, okay, Danielle, you get to embody Mahalia's voice. What is that in your body? And yes. more can you give of yourself without holding back or being scared or even even just like just doubting yourself? Like how much can you give? Because as an actor, as what we what I love so much is that you do get to give all of yourself and you have to, like you have you're of service. Like I am a vessel being used to play her. So that to me was um just a gift to kind of through the lens of Mahalia, show the world what I'm capable of doing because I don't know if Danielle would have been able to do that without Mahalia. Wow. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, for sure. So I'm excited to see what happens after, you know, and I'm going to try to be a little more bold and say, you know what, no, I'm singing this day, you know, <laughs> I'm going to try to do more, you know, so. It feels like Danielle Brooks is always looking for different avenues to express herself as a human being. What haven't you done that you still dream of doing where you go like, this is my, you know, this is the, this is the project I'm trying to get to. This is what I really want to try and do. Trevor, there's so much that I'm, I, it, I, there's so much. I always want to show people that I'm capable of doing more than they expect, expected of me, especially going to Juilliard. I think that was what opened my eyes to the fact that I can do anything like sky is the limit. So, so for me, I'm, I, I'm first I'm getting to be in Peacemaker with John Cena and James Gunn is directing and written it, who's done Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy right. and Side Squad. And so I'm out here in Vancouver, like being a bad butt, <laughs> just tell you, I'm trying to say badass, but you know, bad butt out here like with the guns and stuff and, and getting to like fight different people and things. And that's been a lot of fun. So like to show people like, yeah, I can do some action. And, um, but I also want to just continue to stretch the limitations, people's mindset on, on black women and show them that, you know, a person like me can do it all, even if right. it's 
you know, playing someone in, I don't know, Australia, <laughs> whatever that is, or different time periods and, and all of that, just kind of stretching that um, and letting people know, like, there's more to us. So that's, that's the goal. Well, I'll tell you now, every project they watch of yours, that answer will be, um, I think, repeated over and over again. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me again. Congratulations on an amazing, amazing job that you've done. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Thank you. Take care. Don't forget, Robin Roberts Presents Mahalia will air on Lifetime April 10th and is available now on mylifetime.com. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, please consider supporting an organization called Teens for Food Justice. They help at-risk students throughout New York build and maintain hydroponic farms, allowing them to grow thousands of pounds of produce every year for their communities. By supporting Teens for Food Justice, you are helping youth-led farms ensure a sustainable, equitable food system and eradicate food insecurity. So if you're able to, please go to the link below and donate whatever you can. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, if you have a political opinion that you'd like to share, just write it in the memo line on your check to Mitch McConnell. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 